Dear Pari, remember the story we told you about the day the judge declared you ours? Well, that day was truly a momentous day for us. But deep down we also knew that we have now given you a whole new identity while erasing what little identity you had before. Only we know your name before it became Pari. And we will share that tiny piece of information with you when you are old enough. What we don't know is if that name was given to you by your birth mother or father or if it was the adoption home. We were aware of what giving you a new name meant the day we got the foster agreement. But I guess it sank in only the day we got your birth certificate. I remember holding it, looking at it and wondering aloud how we would have that conversation of who you were before you became our Pari. Welcome to Dear Pari, a groundbreaking podcast series presenting facts, bursting myths and tackling stigma around adoption. It will bring to you varied viewpoints from adoptees, parents, adoption experts and government officials. This podcast is being brought to you by Suno India, a podcast platform for issues that matter. main concerns that most parents including us have when we decide to adopt is that of the identity of the child how one shapes it beyond the labeling of an adopted child and what we as parents have to do to ensure that it is a fairly smooth journey in this episode we will bring to you perspectives on shaping the identity of an adoptee and why it is important to have honest and open communication line with children who have been adopted to discuss this aspect from a psychological point of view we reached out to saraswati baskar an adoption counselor based out of chennai She is an adoptive parent herself and has been an adoption counselor for over 16 years now. We had a wide-ranging discussion on counseling for adoptive parents, adoptees as well as on the topic of identity which you'll hear in this episode as well as in later episodes. The individuality and identity is important for either a biological child or an adopted child. the biological child there is a genetic coding you can always say your grandfather was used to get angry and your father was short tempered and so you are you know kind of deal but here there is no nothing to validate support that uh, type of thing i can um, before going into the psychological aspect i can share my personal experience with my daughter at that time they gave a folder and we saved it as the most precious information because that is the only folder that we had to show about her identity with regards to the psychological aspect of it we have always told her if she wanted to find her you know search for roots uh, we are there to support however she will do it only after she finishes her plus 2 or when she turns 18 as a major until then she is our responsibility you are my responsibility is what we told her So at when she turned 18 we gave that folder to her and this is what it is and if you want to go to the agency and go for it we will take in all the cost that is involved and that is when she told us ma the only identity i know is between with you people why would i look for someone who chose to move on with her life why would i want to look for her she made me cry at that time i really um, was touched by her in fact it happened in a 
panel discussion that happened in Bangalore, we both were invited to talk and she was sitting in the teenagers panel. The same question when it was asked, do you, what about your identity? Do you want to search for roots? Is when she told that, no, I don't need to, because the only identity I know is from day one is my mom and dad. And if my birth mother chose to move on with her life, why shouldn't I? So that was a closure she had for her. But not all people will have. So for parents like us who want to, at some point, we will want to reveal. Um, and when we are asked this question, but why? You know, how? Why did they give give up? Uh, why did my mother give me up, or why did my father give me up? How would you advise parents to tackle those kind of questions about the why and who am I? That kind of questions. The only thing you know is, from the psychological point, the birth parent chose not to destroy the child. Why? Because she loved the child, she wanted a better home for the child, she realized that she cannot be providing the best care, but certainly someone responsible that the agency will find. Those are the things, because at no time we uh, put down the birth parents. Your mother must have really loved you not to get disposed you off. To kill you, to put an end to your life. For her, your life was more precious and she believed that someone more responsible and affordable can take care of you. We also spoke to Saras about what those adopting older children need to know and keep in mind to make the transition easier. She says that mandatory counselling for older children and parents would be very beneficial as it will help with the child adjusting with the family and vice versa. Colonel Deepak Kumar spoke about this in our previous episode and said that lack of counselling facilities was leading to a huge number of disruptions in adoption of older children because the children are used to one um, pattern, some habits. And as I told you, an example of a child being raised in a Catholic um, orphanage, being uh, given for adoption to a Hindu Brahmin family, what kind of struggles that the child went through and the parents went through. So the challenges, number one is uh, matching the uh, family background, the religion, and the uh, food practices, vegetarian or non-vegetarian, these are all very important. As much as it sounds kind of, you know, um, petty matters, it does have an impact. The, uh, the second thing is, in uh, giving the children for adoption at an older age, I also had an agency here in, in Chennai where they would prepare the child for adoption. So when the uh, matching is being done, while one side the prospective parents are coming and I'm evaluating them, they also bring the child to evaluate the child's uh, emotional uh, readiness and uh, prepare the child if possible. So we groom the child also on the uh, assimilating in a new environment. And uh, the challenges that the adults, uh, when, you, when the parents choose to um, adopt an older child is also the assimilation process. We wanted to get an adoptee's perspective on this topic of identity and so we spoke to Varsha Swami. 
Some of you may remember her from episode 2. Varsha is an adoptee and an adoption counselor herself. She is also Saras Baskar's daughter and currently resides in the US. We had read about Saras and Varsha a few years ago in a newspaper article and their story stayed with us as it was a positive story of destigmatizing adoption while also breaking common misconceptions around disclosure. There are also among the very few adoption counselors in India who have first-hand experience in the topic. So we felt it only apt to bring their professional and personal experiences into this podcast. We asked Varsha if knowing she was adopted had an impact on her sense of identity and individuality. I asked numerous questions and it started as early as 4 years old all the way till 6 years. So that's imagine every single night my parents had to listen to, you know, all of the various questions that I had to ask them as to was I not wanted and you know why did they leave me? Was I not good enough? um you know what was it about them or what was it about me why did you choose me uh you know or in tamil toppa means stomach and amma means mother so as early as i can remember my mother always used to refer to my biological mother as toppa amma and she would be my amma amma and we always so that was the very first time that i was able to recognize that unlike um you know everybody around me who had you know one mother i had two and so i would be able to differentiate between the two and then be able to ask the number of questions that i did and in general identity formation starts with the multiple questions that people have um you know for somebody who was not adopted they would just ask questions about maybe their ethnicity their religion what they want to be who they want to be for me most of the questions that i asked to myself or to my parents were literally about my adoption and i think that formed a huge part of who i am today and how i am today and how i view situations the relationships that i'm in are all centered around some of the answers that i got and i think you know from a personal standpoint i have nothing but you know happiness and gratitude for my parents for not shutting me down when i had these questions because a huge part of why i am comfortable and confident and secure in my relationships today is because of the time that they took to answer all of these questions because not all of them would have been rational i was a 4 year old or a 5 year old just spurting out whatever came to my mind and they took the time to answer those questions um that that played a huge difference in how um my identity and everything played out Another aspect that we were keen to know more about was if Varsha was curious about her birth story and how her parents responded to this. I think the the curiosity pretty much came when I was a teenager. I um I have a very close-knit family both on my mom's side and my dad's side, so when I saw people talking about, "Oh, you know, your looks are from your mom," and like my mom's side literally their four sisters, my mom has three siblings. and you know all of my multiple cousins all of them look the same talk the same act the same and obviously you know through uh, and my environment i obviously have a lot of similar traits but genetically and biologically in the background i would always have doubts as to you know how would my parents look how would my mom look do i also look like her 
Um, what mannerisms do I have? So these are questions that I um, always had and would wonder if I ever got a chance to meet her. I would want to know basically three things. What does she look like and do I look like her? Um, is she doing okay? And generally, what's my genetic history? Like, you know, you you get to see both sides of your family. You see diabetes, you see whatever. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's probably not in my genetic history. What is? So these were mainly the three areas that I had questions in, but not so much so to be like, okay, let's go down the area of search. I actually wasn't really that interested perhaps because I'm, I was not necessarily interested just regularly, or it might have been because I was so secure in my relationship with my adoptive parents that I never really had a need to go out and find out what was there beyond that. So I think in my mind, it was more of just putting things at ease and just being like, I'm sure they're okay and I wish them the best. I think about them all the time um, and just wish good things for them. And I'm okay with not necessarily knowing. Um, but when I did bring it up when I was a teenager, my parents were very supportive and said, you know, whatever needs to happen can happen. If we need to go to the organization, if we need to talk to people, if we need to start the process, we are there with you. And ultimately, I was the one who decided that I wasn't necessarily interested in that search. Varsha also shared with us the importance of acknowledging the birth parents. She said it would be detrimental to the development of a child's identity to not acknowledge that aspect of their past and to not shy away from answering questions linked to their birth story. When you're adopted, you always need to remember that it's a triad. First, it has the adoptive child, the biological parents and the adoptive parents. It forms a triangle. The second that you try to form a line and cut out one part of the triangle, you end up with a problem. Because in neglecting the biological parents, you're neglecting a huge part of that child's identity, history, and everything, which is essentially their birthright. My story did not start here. I had a story before my adoptive parents came into the picture. And being able to openly talk about that story with the family that you have now, which is the adoptive family, is a huge part of forming that secure relationship with your child. So I have numerous memories of my mom and I talking about, you know, my mom would obviously say, oh, you look so beautiful. And I think that I'm very sure I have I have images of your birth mom. I'm so sure she had the same long neck and dusky skin. And, you know, I'm sure she had the same beautiful hair that you do. And all of this positive commentary made me feel so good to know that my mom was secure about the relationship. And that made me feel secure to talk to her about it. That made me feel secure to, you know, look at my mom in the same beautiful light that my adoptive mother views my biological mother in. And to be able to say, you know, I wonder how she's doing at any given moment. We could be eating lunch and I wouldn't have to talk to her about it like it was something that I was scared to talk to her about or like protecting her feelings because she made it very clear that she is forever, you know, grateful to my biological parents. She's forever, you know, happy to talk to me about them. And that formed the path that I could ask all of these questions on. A 
common belief among parents wanting to adopt is that the younger a child the better it is for the parents as it makes it easier for them to mold their identity because the child has no memory of his or her past so the child has no trauma but multiple studies have actually shown that a child even as young as 4 to 5 months can sense being separated also the trauma of rejection or separation can hit adoptees at a later stage in time too we spoke to varsha about this aspect and how or what leads to this i think adoption is a topic under which multiple different lives and scenarios exist so some people were adopted i can even say fortunate to be adopted at a very young age before maybe even their memory like maybe a 3 month old or 1 year old where they don't necessarily remember everything and then you have slightly older adoptions at 5 years old and 9 years old where they remember the adoption agencies they might even remember the adoptive parents um because across the world you have closed adoption systems and open adoption systems and it's literally different for everybody so i think overall it's first of all important to remember that across scenarios adoptions are different and so it's important to also remember to deal with them differently secondly the concepts of abandonment and rejection come in or you can call them trauma where as an adult we find it difficult as adult full blown full grown adults we find it difficult to deal with the concepts of rejection and abandonment with all of the life experience with all of the support that we have in our lives today and so i think it's important for people to remember that as early as you know 4 years old if you suddenly have questions of why did she leave me and who you know what was wrong with me why why couldn't she keep me with her and i, I shouldn't be saying she i should see say you know they um why couldn't they keep me with them um you know was i not good enough and you know what made you guys choose me were you compelled to choose me or was i some last minute option because biological kids didn't work out fertility didn't work out and so you just you know picked me up you know from somewhere so a lot of these questions do come up and how parents deal with them are extremely important and it also comes up wherein parents say okay well if they were adopted really young maybe if i don't tell them whatsoever and just give them all of the love and nourishment then they wouldn't even know they were adopted so they wouldn't have to deal with rejection and abandonment however professionally and personally having spoken to multiple adoptees from you know honestly all over the world most of the time somewhere or the other either slip ups happen with um either the families themselves or extended families and they they end up having doubts they look different they act different and most of the time adoptees say you know what i have a feeling or i know and in that instance if you miss the chance to tell an adoptee early on what happens is eventually they might find out and that can lead to all kinds of identity problems um relationship problems because of lack of trust cord of trust is broken between uh, parent and child and dealing with that trauma is in fact much much worse and above and beyond everything it is the birthright of the child to know what their story is because like i mentioned before the adoptive parents came into the picture there was more to the story in this person's life and if you choose adoption you need to be able to recognize this factor 
and provide that because it is the child's birthright to know what it is and to also be ready to deal with what the entire story entails the trauma that might come and to help your child through that versus hiding it from them in the name or the pretense of protecting them Internationally right to know is considered as an important part of one's right to life and right to privacy The right to know one's identity has also been guaranteed in the 1989 Convention on the Rights of the Child the 1993 Convention on the Protection of the Children and the Cooperation in Respect of Intercountry Adoption In India as per the adoption regulations passed in 2017 it is the duty of each specialized adoption agency to keep the information about every child's adoption including source and circumstances in which child was admitted to an adoption home The guidelines also state that the children under 18 can jointly along with their parents apply for the information and those above 18 must be assisted in their root search by the child welfare committees but one wonders if these government bodies actually have the resources to help carry out this critical search for an adoptee's identity as a parent i also wonder often if 15 or 18 years down the line if our daughter decides to know more about her identity will she actually find all the information our identity completes us as individuals we have strong regional identity religious identity and even one defined by our caste and class once identity may seem like an abstract concept but in reality it often evokes strong emotions so imagine the confusion an adoptee feels when they find out that they had another identity which was erased to be given a new one as we heard to the course of this episode adoptive identity is developed by a variety of factors such as degree of openness in the adoption process how the child views the concept of adoption age at which the child was adopted and how open the parents are about adoption for an adoptee it may be one that they accept with ease or a label that stuck leaving them with more questions than before in our next episode we will bring to you voices of two adoptees with varied life experiences in their journey of adoption In September, Suno India organized a flash fiction writing contest. We invited submissions on the themes of patience, revelation and rebirth as part of this contest. Our jury included Deepa Balsawa, an award-winning children's author, mother of an adoptee herself, and Sumitra Raghavan, author of children's book Working at Flinto Box. You will now hear the winning entry arrival written by Prathima Sharma, read by Deepa as you can imagine this story has uh, has an issue touches upon an issue that is very close to my heart but also i love the way that prakima had approached the subject with the right amount of humor with with uh, the with the pace with which she developed the story and uh, frankly towards the end it even brought a tear to my eyes so i'm extremely pl- proud to read out the story arrival The doctor confirmed the date. Our daughter had chosen the wettest Friday in July to arrive. The rain god seemed immensely pleased, lavishing us with regular downpours. Monsoons were extra welcome this year. The heat had been too much to bear, 
and another year of parched fields would have shattered the city's morale. The equally steady flow of well-meaning advice on child rearing was pouring from every quarter. I dutifully listened to you all. The bookshelves were lined with parenting books. As if my mother and Amazon didn't have enough recommendations, even the maid chimed in with suggestions. The nursery slowly filled up with every delivery. The wallpaper and curtains had taken the longest to decide, till we realized that the baby would not care much, and Facebook forgets eventually. He worried about the size of our small car. A baby seat would not have enough room. A sedan would suit the princess, but not our budget. It will have to wait, but not for long, I hoped. At work, my colleagues had been helpfully adjusting their schedules to accommodate my work from home requests. The news of a baby's imminent arrival tends to make people nicer. My mother reached a day before when we went about making more space for the boxes of baby paraphernalia that came with her. My daughter owned an enviable wardrobe already. The night was spent discussing, planning and wondering about everything that could go wrong. All reports were scrutinized and debated. The excited rain had not let up. Just a few hours to go. No one slept. Friday morning came and we felt only half ready. My mother brought out the mandatory puja thali, the curious neighbors watched as vermilion was applied to our foreheads, and we were fed curd and sugar for good luck. First stop was the court where an unusually helpful officer carried out the registration process. We were the only ones who were dressed in bright festive colors. That turned a few eyes. The dusty corridors, lazy pace and the dull legal machinery couldn't dampen our spirits that day. Armed with the agreement, we made our way to the adoption agency. She was all of three months, freshly bathed and all set to start her new adventure. The onesie that we had brought along was a snug fit. It was a rookie mistake. We had a lot to learn. Someone opened a packet of sweets. I was practicing holding her. Everyone helped. There was another round of aarti before we bundled up the little ray of happiness and settled in the car. The baby seat could wait just once. I wanted to hold her as long as I could. The steady movement of the car lulled her into sleep. I couldn't take my eyes off her. I had never seen anything so beautiful. She didn't have my eyes or my smile, but we had matching hearts. As we drove home, I mentally ticked the list. Doctor's appointment for vaccination? Check. Court documents? Check. One happy mom and dad? Check. As independent producers, we rely a lot on you to spread the word. If you like our podcast, please take time and let your friends and family know about it. Also, don't forget to check out some interesting articles written by our contributors at blog.sunoindia.in. We would like to thank Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for original music, Priyanka Kumar for artwork, Tarun Nirvan our digital lead and Kunika Balhotra our communication officer for their support.